our Father in heaven, Lord, once again, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you that this evening or this afternoon, we can learn more about your creation, the wonderful mind that you have given mankind. And Lord, as we learn more about this topic, help us, dear Lord, not only to understand it, but to apply them, to live them, that we will be fully transformed by your grace, until thou comest in the clouds of heaven, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the, I have been given the topic mental health and emotional intelligence, and this is quite a challenge even for a neuroscientist. I work as a, uh, a research associate at the Center for Psychiatric Neuroscience. It's a department of psychiatry of the University of Lausanne. And that's one appointment. And the second appointment that I have is at the Fundamental of Neuroscience at the same university uh, where we do more fundamental things. But I work at the psychiatric clinic and we do a lot of research dealing with mental health and also, of course, the product of it is the emotions. And so, like I said, this is a very challenging topic. Why? Because mental health encompasses neurology, psychiatry, and even psychology. So it's a vast topic. And to pick even two hours is going to be hard. Uh, I have a class starting in January called Developmental Neuroscience, in which I will be teaching fourth-year uh, students, and in that developmental neuroscience, just to give you a, 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 a foretaste, it's six hours, and it's talking about just the developmental part. It hasn't even reached the mature part. And so as I think you can grasp with me the, 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 the complexity, but what I'm going to try and do for this session is to set the fundamental. Uh, the next, the part two, will be deal on how to maintain a good mental health and stable emotions. And the third part will deal, living, will deal with living a positive life and using our mental health and stable emotions to win souls for Christ. So that's the, 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 the line that we're going to to thread in these three sessions. And at the same time, of course, there will be questions and answers. And this is a workshop. So what I'd like, if there's something you don't understand, something you're, you want to, 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 to be clear about, please don't hesitate to interrupt. I want it to be interactive. It's a workshop, okay? More than a lecture. I have enough of that. So this is a workshop. Okay, so having said that, okay, let's, let's move on. Notice, I'm going to start with a few quotes, and then we're going to go to some of the scientific findings, some, to, some data from the laboratory, some data from the clinics, and to bring you to the line of thoughts that I have for today. But notice what it says in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 3, page 269. Listen to this. 
To deal with the mind is the nicest work in which men ever engage. Interesting. The nicest work that you could ever engage is to deal with the mind. Why is this so important that to, to deal and study the mind is, is of great import and even the nicest based on the spirit of prophecy? I'm still learning this pointer because it's not mine. So, okay, notice what it says in the ministry of healing. We're setting the stage. The ministry of healing, page 128, they should study the influence of the mind upon the what? The body and the body upon the mind and the laws by which they are governed. Okay? Notice the structure where your mind or your brain is. Okay? Notice that when God created the brain, okay, he didn't put it anywhere else but where? Where is it? Right on the top. Right? Now, there must be a reason as to why it's on the top. It's not just by accident. You could survive if your brain is in your stomach. You could survive if your brain is between your ribs. Okay? But why? Is it up there? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. But then again, we will lead uh, uh, the, the presentations of this workshop would lead to that. They should study the influence of the mind upon the body and the body upon the mind and the laws by which they are governed. Okay. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as he, that's a man, or woman, think it in his heart, so is he. Now we're trying to, 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 to build the picture here. What goes on in your mind, there's a saying first, what you eat is what you are. Okay? So following the same mindset, following the same thinking, what you think is what you are, what makes who you are. Notice what some of the people in the, in the, in the field sa- says about things, okay? Dr. John Sanders, it's one of his quotes, not mine. The, my, the mind of a man is what? The battleground in which every moral and spiritual battle is fought. Interesting. I mean, when, when you think of, of the, the message that we have specifically given, when you think of the great controversy, for example, where is it settled? Here, between your ears. Not in your stomach, not between your ribcage, between the ear. Ah, this is going to be. Notice what it says. Dr. Vance Havner, quote, Our defeat or victory begins with what we think. And if we guard our thoughts, we shall not have much trouble anywhere else along the line. That's the power of the mind. As a man thinketh, so is he. The Bible also says, by beholding, what happens? You become changed. What you behold becomes who you are. That's a saying, you show me your friends, I'll show you what you're like. You show me your teacher, tell you what's going on between the two ears of yours. 
Okay? Now, let's see if I get this one right. It says here in Education 401, He who created the mind and ordains his law provided its development in accordance with them. Now, notice what it says. He who created the mind and ordained its laws provided for its development in accordance with them. Let's stay away from the brain. Let's go to the basic physiology. Your finger. Here I am. I'm cooking a meal for my family. Carrots, peeling them. Finally, I have to chop them. Chop my finger. Not the whole thing, just slice it a little bit. The process of healing takes effect right away. Okay? You will have blood that comes out. What's next? Water. Okay? The coagulating process takes place. I didn't tell it. It's governed. The law is built in. It kicks in the moment there is injury. Okay? Now, it's the same thing. You, uh, you, 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 you drop something on your toe, and you know how painful that is. And you scream, and then you know something happens. Then you look at your toe, and it's this big. And you say, oh, no, that is tragic. Okay? Why? Because I can't walk now. But in fact... The reason why your toe is this big is because of a mechanism, a healing process that is taking place. If that doesn't happen, your toe will die. And so the body has a mechanism by which, governed by law, to heal itself. Now, we're going to go to the brain soon, but I'm just giving you the, the basics. All right. Oh, Sorry. Notice what it says again, Ministry of Healing 454. Courage, fortitude, meekness, faith, unwavering trust in God's power to save are acquired by the experience of what? Years. Now, all these quotes that I'm showing you, just pay attention to them. And if you want them, you can email me. I can send it to you. You can have them. Okay? Freely receive, freely give. Uh, you will see that much of what I'm going to show you from the spirit of prophecy, science is just beginning to catch up with. You'll be surprised. You'll see. The only thing is that the, the spirit of prophecy uses a more simple language. Okay? Whereas scientists have to invent something complicated such that no one would understand apart from themselves. You know what I mean? So I try to be, uh, if, if, I am used, if I begin to use a complex language, please scorn me. Okay? I'll try to be as basic as possible. Notice that top, uh, the, the subheading. Prenatal life regulated by God. Okay? Now we'll see that in the scientific aspect later on. But I want to bring you quotes first from the Spirit of Prophecy. And it says, the words spoken to the wife of Manawa contain a truth that the mothers would today do well to study. In speaking to this mo one mother, the Lord spoke to all anxious, sorrowing mothers of that time and to all mothers of succeeding generation. She may know that the character of her children will depend vastly upon, more upon her habits before birth and her personal efforts 
after their birth than external advantages or disadvantages. What does that mean? It, it, it means that just because you are born in Africa or whatever, most poverty place, sure it has a factor, but it says here the character of a child depends upon what? The habits, the personal activity of the mother ju during gestation, that's during the moment fertilization takes place. Okay? Sperm meets egg. Hello. We're together. Okay? Now they're together. Life begins. And you have to understand that the process of development, even when the sperm meets the egg, millions of things can go wrong. Millions of things can go wrong. And even from, from, from that fertilization until birth, another million things can go wrong. But yet, here we are, each and every one of us. So nothing has ever happened by accident. It, there is a regulated process. What? Hands of God behind it. Now, notice what it says. She may know that the character of her children will depend vastly more upon her habits before birth and her personal efforts after their birth than upon external advantages or disadvantages. Now we're developing the character of a person, of a, uh, I would say a person, begins at prenatal stage. The first great object to be attained in the training of children is sound of constitution which will appear the way in great measure for mental and moral training physical and moral health are closely united you will find that even in mice okay or even in animals the physical attributes somehow also has an effect on not only on their motor skills but also in their decision making we already see this in mice in minds that have physical defects at birth, not only do they have problem, of course, with motor, but decision-making. What do you mean by decision-making? Well, it's easy to see how a, how a mice or an animal can decide. You put them in a Y maze. Okay, it's, it's Y maze. It's a tunnel. That is Y. Okay? And then you put them on the starting, and they will go through, this, through the maze and decide, oh, should I turn right? or left. If I go right, I don't starve. If I go left, I starve. So I better go right. So the mice learns this process. And it's not so difficult for a mouse to do that. They're a very intelligent animal. They do it in dark. They could even do it in dark. They can do it with path integration, which means they don't have to, 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 to say, well, I have need to see it. They know it by calculating their movement. I turn and then I turn right, and I turn left, and straight. Mice can do this without a problem. Okay? They, are, they, don't, smell, they don't smell good, but they're a very intelligent animal. Now, look. Why is there so much emphasis on early development? Again, just a few more quotes, and then I'll go to the scientific part. By the thoughts and feelings cherished in early years, every youth is determining his own life history. Correct, 
Virtues, manly habits is formed in youth, will become a part of a character, and will usually mark the course of the individual through life. So you say, you, 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 I know what you're feeling. I know what you're thinking by looking at this. And you said, man, I didn't go through that process. There's no hope for me. Well, I didn't go through that process. Some of us had the blessed opportunity to be born in Christian's home from the very birth. From the, I didn't. I'm a child, which is by, I would, I used to call it accident. Why? Because I was born out of wedlock. My mother and father were high school sweethearts. High school sweethearts, well, actually elementary school sweethearts until high school. And then my mother got pregnant, and then my father went to the United Kingdom. My mother went to the United States soon after I was born. I was left in the care of my grandparent, grandmother, loving. But yet, the maternal rearing, the maternal care that we know is of great import, we're missing. But by the grace of God, I can still stand to you today that the hands of God was behind it all the way. Okay? So don't be discouraged if you didn't go through a normal I would say, not normal, but more optimal process. I didn't. The most underprivileged in my understanding. But I thank God for those years in which I have been cared just the same. And my grandmother did all that she could. Now, notice the second one. The heart of the youth are now like impressible wax. And you may lead them to admire the Christian character. But in a few years, the wax may become granite. I want you to pay attention to these quotes because, again, I will show you the scientific part that links this and proves this fact so, so beautifully. Ellen White uses simple words, some poetic to you, but yet so much truth and rich in information in those when you see science as we are in 2013. Okay. Now, you like, the, there is a, what we scientists called, you find on one of the axes is called plasticity, and one of the axes is called development. Now, plasticity comes from the word plastic. Means moldable. Okay? Because plastic is moldable. You will see that from birth on, this is a, uh, a work published by uh, Professor Takao Hench from, from Harvard University. Uh, and he showed, uh, in, in this, at least in this publication, the different plasticity period, critical period or sensitive period of development for sensory, comes first the sensory, that's why they're saying that already when the fetus is in the, in, in, the, in the womb, they can already hear. Why? Sensory is being developed. Okay? So already, they are being accustomed to the kind of environment that the mother is exposed to. Okay? I will go through that, what that means later on. If you want a foretaste, music. So the child is already being accustomed to the kind of music 
already at a prenatal stage. After the sensory part, there comes to develop the motor part and the language part. They are usually tightly controlled, meaning you will find a child who is very gifted, means they can already walk at the age of 10 months, 9 months, but they will be delayed in language. Or you can have somebody who is uh, advanced in language, but slightly delayed in motor. They are very connected. No, there's no, I have not yet seen a child that has both advanced in walking and speaking at the same time. You showing? You're one? Your child? Wow. Oh, he is a gifted one. Wildwood child. <laughs> Any case, the, the, it's, it's interesting. How, how, how old were they? Uh, how old was he or she? Spoke? Which one is the first one? Which was the first? To walk first and then, okay. So you have motor and language, the, the plasticity. This is the period in which the, the development takes place. Okay? And then the third is higher cognition. Now, we, we do know in that if you, you are bilingual, okay, at least at home, okay? Speaks, speaks German and English, if I understand it correctly. Maybe other ones, but at least two languages I know. Surely your children are bilingual, okay? Now, if you had moved to another country, Japan, before the age of 10 or 11, Jeremy, Jesse, Jane would all be speaking Japanese too. If you had moved there after the age of 12, it will take more effort for them to learn Japanese. Again, there is this critical period in which there is a language that is the easiest point to learn language. Okay, let's go to, let's go to riding bicycle. Okay? Also with riding bicycles. There's, a, uh, there's an age in which they sh the motor skills needed balancing has to be refined then. If you try to learn bicycle at the age of 20, Mm. It'll take more. It'll be more difficult. I took driving lessons at the age of thirty-three. Oh no, sorry, thirty. No, that would give my my age away. Uh, two years ago. <laughs> ah, you see, I didn't want to give my age away. So I was like, two years ago. And I took sixty-two lessons. Sorry. I know. But it's not because of my motor coordination is bad. Because I could do meticulous surgery on the mouse without a problem. As close. Okay? But when it comes to motor skills that you have not learned, at later age, it's harder to learn. Maybe there's a super granny who can do it just as much as a, chi uh, a child. Early, but I have yet to meet one. There's always an except, one exception or two. But the, the general population falls within this curve. You have this plasticity curve. The best time to learn for sensory is this period. Motor language, this period. Cognitive, I tell you what age that would be. This is just to graphically show you. 
and give you a foretaste or a, a, a kind of a broad overview that there is this period of sensitivity of development of the brain. The brain does not all develop all at the same time. I have yet. Okay, sorry. There. Neurodimensional process. Now we become slightly complicated, but I'll try to make it easy. Fertilization takes place. The moment fertilization takes place, the moment here the egg meets the sperm, and there is the, the uh, a fusion. Certain process takes place just for the brain. Okay, you have what we call proliferation. You have to call migration, you have arborization, and myelination. You see them all? There's a shift. They're not all happening at the same time. There's a shift, a succession of development. Now, what does proliferation mean? Now, it, it, it simply means when cells begin to proliferate, okay? And then that migration, which means the cell has to reach the right destination. It's not just because uh, all cells, the cells are not born for example, in the frontal lobe, you say, well, my frontal lobe is bad because uh, cells fail there. The, the cells that are in the frontal lobe are not necessarily born in the frontal lobe. They're born elsewhere. They proliferate and they are migrated. Cells move to the frontal lobe, to the cortex. And guess what? There is a guiding mechanism that brings specific cells to a specific location. Anything that goes wrong with this guiding factor brings a cell in the wrong place. You see now how complex the brain is? And, I'm, this is, and you have billions of them in your head the moment you're born. After that, it's downhill. <laughs> Sorry for the bad news, but that's the truth. That's why heaven has so much to offer us because it'll be uphill then. But on this earth, it's downhill the moment we're born. Now, you have arborization. The cell gets to the right place, okay? Now, you have branching of the cell. They make lots and lots of connections. Again, there is a guiding mechanism we, we call chemoattractant that guides all this arborization to the, to the, right, the right place. Now, this is usually shaped by environment. Stimulus. What takes place around you. Okay? And isn't it so, isn't it so, so, so easy? It, 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 it's complex, but when you look at the, the quote of Ellen White, in what she, those, those quotes that I've, I've read to you, it's so simplified. It tells you there's a, a, governing, a law that governs all this. Now, you see, arborization, and then the later one is myelination. Myelination, simply, if you have an axon or you have processes, you need, in order for, this, for, this, for, the, for the cell to conduct or to transmit information, you need a cable around it. Okay? You need... A cable. Otherwise, the current will be <laughs> spread out the brain, and all the brain will go crazy, haywired. So you need to isolate them. Okay? And only 
at the right end to be communicated. Not every point needs to be communicated. Otherwise, you have propagations like, you will see me, if I want to speak, you will see me brain dance, uh, break dancing and doing all sorts of things here. If I have no insulation in my, uh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe Michael Jackson has too much of those, but not me, all right? Anyways, <laughs> that's fertilization. Notice what happens at birth, okay? You have now birth, and I'm just going to speak to you of one type of cell. Okay? And why am I talking of this kind of cell? Because this kind of cell is what we call the inhibitory interneurons. Now, what does the inhibitory interneurons do? Okay. Just to simplify the matter. It inhibits excitatory inputs. So, think of it this way. I have current coming in to the box. Now, we do a bit of electricity here. A current going into the box, a huge current. You expect huge current to come out, okay? What interneurons do is it inhibits and filters the current, okay? So what it does, it filters out information. Right now, there are many things happening in this room. I am talking, somebody is smiling, you, you, you all hear that, but you learn to ignore certain things. Why? It's because of your interneurons. It filters out informations that you don't need. Irrelevant informations. That's what they do. Okay? Just cleans the output. So I'm just talking of this one interneuron, just one. And just show you the complexity of it. Now, during this is the age trajectory. You will see that they are not Although these cells are present in the brain, they don't become an inhibitor interneurons until the age of 10 to 15. Okay? Then they begin to rapidly develop. And then they hit the peak at around 25. Young adult. Okay? So they begin at adolescent. At young adult. At the same time, you have in the beginning, you will notice at the bottom is inhibitory. This is the two kind of, uh, uh, you have the excitatory. In order for you to have an inhibit, you need an excitation. Okay? And so the insecticide first is ample in the beginning. Everything is just like being excited. The brain is, needs activity in order to develop. But there's a time a point in life when the excitatory reaches peaks, it begins to go down and the inhibitory kicks in. A balance. Now, any shift in this, early, late, can determine what goes on in your mind and emotions. Show you what, what I mean by that. Ah, somebody has to train me how to use this. Okay. Just to, again, demonstrate to you cortical plasticity. This is about the eyes, okay? You have certainly seen young child, maybe not older than 10, that has patch on one eye, on the glasses, yes or no? Okay? 
the reason as to why they're patched at an early age is because usually they, they have a lazy eye or what we call a, a cross-eyed or lazy eye, which means one eye is, is the one that, that, that is dominant and then the other, eye, the other one is not dominant. Therefore, the visual input on one eye is ignored. So you have one eye that's looking at you and the other eye not looking at you. You see what I mean? So what what doctors normally would do, they will patch the dominant eye to train the other eye to look at you. Okay? Again, this is time sensitive. Notice. This is just looking at the brains in the the, the visual cortex. This is the, the, the back of the brain. It's in the visual part. Visual cortex. Cells there. Recorded, you will notice that in this case, you have in normal, this is, two, this is just a normal mice, there is a cell firing more at this side than the other side. Okay? So what, you, what we do, what no, scientists would do is that to learn to see how you can shift this, this, this ocular dominance in order for patient to be done in patient, in, in, in patient is that you block one eye and you see the cells shift. You notice, here it was on this side, dominant eye. You cross the dominant eye, and you record the cell, and now it's balanced. You, do the, you can only do this in mice at the age of 35. After that, no more hope. The wax, as Ellen White would say, wax, granite. Before, in the early? No, no, pro- no problem. Late? Yes. No, no, this is just in animals. But I will convert that in humans later on. 35 days. Days. Okay? So we're just speaking more of animals because you cannot cannot do it in humans until you know what happens in animals first. It's unethical. The Swede government won't even let you do it. All right? All right. Or the Norwegian, sorry. We're in Norway. Okay. Now what about this one? I talked about visual. Now I talk about now acoustic. Now it's again complex, but I will walk you through it. This is a box. And it has uh, two segments. You have a silent box, silent uh, uh, housing, and you have a music housing. Okay? It has, it's identically the same. The only difference is one place is quiet, the other one has music. And so when you put uh, a mice in this context, at two months old, you will find that most mice will prepare, prefer the silence part. D- depicted here by the big black... Uh, bars. A few will go to the music if you do that in naive animals. Okay? Now, if you expose them at an early stage, for example, P15 to 24 days old, and you test them again later on in adult, okay, so you try, you, you tested them, 
during early development, that's juvenile age, 15 to 24, and you test at two to three months later, guess where they go? They go to the music. More than the quiet part. Normally, they go to the quiet part. But if you expose them early to this kind of environment, they will go to the music part. What does that mean? It means you have just conditioned a brain of a mouse to have preference because of your manipulation at an early age. Do you see it? Does it make sense? If you have questions, just don't be shy, huh? There's no wrong question. The only wrong question or the stu- only stupid question is a question you don't ask. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm saying that in the early, what you condition the mice with that early will have a preference for later. Why? Because cells during this developmental period are tuned, already being tuned for something. And if you tune them for that, they will prefer that environment later on. It's early exposure. Okay? It, we can go to the type of music later on, but I'm just showing you first the very basics. In, if you put just in adult, right at the very, again, they have no preference. It's the same as you're putting them when, when, when they have been naive. I'm talking about adults without going through that early training. They prefer the silent part. So obviously, what you did in this, not even long, huh? It's not even all day. It's only a couple of hours in within that day that they've been exposed to that. Okay? There are also data. You can check it on the web in which music, I, I say it now because we're on music, in which when you expose mus- mice on rock music, a group of mice, they're a social animal. At the end of the day, you're left with one. Why? They eat up each other. So obviously, there is something there. Okay? I'm just stating to you again the facts. What science said. I'm not putting the interpretation. That comes later if I'm allowed to do that. Okay, why are juvenile brain more plastic than adult? This is the work that I have personally involved in and done. And we published it in Progress, of, uh, uh, Progress in, in, in National Academy of Science. It was published this year. It was actually featured in, in the newspaper. Uh, and here what, 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 uh, what we show is the difference between a juvenile brain and an adult brain. Now you will notice the red cell very clearly. And you will see this green that is strong around the adult one. Okay? You will notice that at juvenile age, they are a bit void. And in adult, they are fully surrounded. Now, these green cells enwrap these red cells to protect them from harmful, unwanted, toxic environment or harmful condition. At the young age, they are void. They are vulnerable. Okay? But at the same time, it also means that when... 
it's dual purpose. One protects it, but at the same time, it's also when the brain is no longer, I would say, less plastic. It means less teachable. You have learned a lot already, it's fixed. So let's just maintain that. Okay? Now, if you're an adult mouse, for example, and you bring it back into this stage, then you have a child or a juvenile brain again. Okay? So the, there are, there are mod, these are models for PTSD. You know what PTSD is? Post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, the post-traumatic stress disorder only became very prominent after the Gulf War. Okay, what, what, is, what, what, what exactly is post-traumatic? These are the people, the soldiers, that went to Iraq or Afghanistan, and they've seen horrible things, experienced horrible things there, murders, you name it, and they come back, and they're never the same. Okay? And at the moment, there's an onset or a, a stimulus that relieves them as if they're back in Iraq, just for that time. So they become violent, they become aggressive, and all of a sudden they lose their personality, they, they, they're, they're commonplace as to where they are. They think they're back in Iraq in a war or in a very stressful condition, or it could have been a trauma or a car accident or so. It's post, that's why it's called post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay, now we, they have shown that in animal models, that have gone through this post-traumatic stress disorder, if you remove those green cells, okay, then they're able to, re- to, to not go through this post-traumatic stress disorder. Why? Because they begin to, I wouldn't say forget, because forget means to totally not know it, but you ignore of what you have learned or what you've experienced before. It's still there. Whatever goes into your brain is in your brain. It's just a question of accessing it. Okay? It's like a computer. Everything that you goes in there is like in there. You just can't find the files when you need it. Right? So you do a search. Okay? And finally you find it and you can access it if you remember the file. But it's just like that. Yes, sir? There's a question about this black memory. Well, it's all the people also consider that as a post-traumatic stress disorder, but not they call. You see, the, the post-traumatic stress is very broad. Again, there is a mild post-traumatic disorder. There's a very extreme post-traumatic disorder. But they call this black or this blank of memory or blank is just a mild one. Because you seem to just don't know where you are or don't remember anything. But the thing is, the truth of the matter, it's still in your brain. You just don't, can't access it. Is that the the survival mechanism that it works in so that you cannot recall? it might well be because the thing is that if you recall something of a such, it could be such a traumatic experience for one. So it, it, it's a mechanism that scientists cannot explain at this moment because it doesn't happen to everyone. 
there are only very few cases of this. In which they're saying that why in some cases it progresses to a, a very hostile one and one just blackout. And, and so it may also be the degree of trauma that one has been through. Our very severe trauma will lead you to a very severe response. A milder trauma will lead to a milder response. I'll, I'll show later on in trajectories what this means. This is just one, one to explain to you these inhibitory neurons, what they do. Okay? And what this green cell does is that it filters the information coming into the cell and coming out. So everything that comes in and comes out must make sense. Okay? You remove that, nothing makes sense. That's basically the, the, the take-home message from, from this paper that, that we, we published this year. Okay, now this is the neurodevelopmental gone wrong. I've shown you a normal trajectory and what can go wrong. Now this is what can go wrong. You find that, again, you, you saw that in the early, early stage the, where the trajectory is from, from birth to, to 25, for, sorry, from fertilization, until 25 years, what we show here is only from 5 years to 25 years. And this is a, uh, a model for neurodevelopmental for psychosis and schizophrenia. 1% of the Euro population suffers from schizophrenia. Okay? And schizophrenia, again, is a very broad disorder. Okay? Very broad disorder. And some overlaps with depressions, others do not. And again, we'll try and dissect as to why they are so with some of the hypotheses that the current scientific community is thinking today. This is published in one of the famous journals uh, in Nature, so, n nature uh, in, the na in Nature by Thomas Insel in 2010. And he showed that in schizophrenia brain, there is this decrease in the inhibitory neurons, okay? This decrease in inhibitory neurons, this is the reason why their thoughts are not clean. Okay, these this red cells are decreased and therefore the, the job of the cells that inhibits information, the information is not inhibited, therefore they have hallucinations, they can see things they sh shouldn't be seeing or they're hearing things they shouldn't be hearing. They cannot tell the real from an artifact. Okay, so here is another, this is the trajectory that I wanted to, to spend more time with. Again, it's a paper that we published uh, in 2009. And it shows the gene uh, component. So you have the genetics. There's a saying, you know, today, there is, this, there's, there, there is a saying that, well, you're a carrier of the gene. And I'm not talking about Levi's genes. I'm talking about genes that are the information that's within you. And since you are a carrier of that, you will get the disease. That is not correct. Okay? Amen. Praise the Lord. Why? Because what if my parents, somebody's parents, somewhere along the line, did something they shouldn't be doing? And your genetic, because there's epigenetic changes because of environmental Stimulus, chemicals, whatever. It changes the genes and the child changes. Then you're doomed for life. You see what I mean? But that's not 
true. You might be carrier of the genes, but it doesn't mean you develop the disease. Okay? What you need to watch out for or what one needs to consider is the trajectory along the pre-perinatal life, early childhood, and childhood and adolescence. What does that mean? You have a gene and environmental interaction. What are these environmental interactions that we need to watch out for? Well, it's called malnutrition. It's called toxins. It's called infections. It's called obstetric complications. It's called psychosocial stress or brain trauma. You see, the moment we are born, the moment we're born, you think it's easy for a child? It's very difficult for a child. Why? Think of it this way. I have a son with me, so he's not used to seeing 400 people. All of a sudden, he sees 400 people. So much information. And then you have one person, they go, hello. Another person, hello. He doesn't know these faces. He doesn't know this sound. He has to all process them. Information overload. And the child, sometimes you wonder when you take them, they're screaming. I says, why is that so? Too much information. You see what I mean? Even you, after attending a workshop like this, for two hours, your head will explode. I'm trying to simplify it for you already. But if I'm going to talk in a scientific language, you will walk out and like, boy, never come back there again. And so, now, I bring this point to you because it's a very important one that we need to consider. You have the genes, and we don't know what genes we carry because we have not genotype ourselves. You know what I mean? Interacts with environment throughout life. Now, what we propose in, in our, in our, in our we, what we have at least proposed because we have evidence is that the, we have identified genes involved in psychosis, involved in schizophrenia, involved in depression, involved in Alzheimer's, involved in many psychiatric diseases. The genes are known. There's a data bank on that. Okay? But what has not been properly identified is the kind of environmental factors that interacts with these genes to produce a mental disorder. Now, obstetric com complications. When a child is coming out of a woman, of a, but you see, I say a woman because I know there's a news of somebody, a man just gave birth. Yes, it's true. I saw it. I read it in the in the, in the news. I said, "What the? What's happening?" But I say a woman now because I want to state the fact. It's a woman. Okay. There's a process in which umbilical cord could go through, you know, like catch the neck around the neck, could have hypoxia for several minutes, which means the brain does not receive oxygen. Okay. In some cases, it doesn't, it has a full, uh, yeah, it, it's a full recovery in children. In some, case, in some cases, there's an effect, okay? Not only that, there's also problems with giving birth with a mother. In general, giving birth to a child, again, is a very laborious task. Ask any mother 
Don't ask any man. I stood there and I couldn't do anything. But the point is this. During the process of birth, a million things can go wrong already. Okay? And the fact that we are here today is another evidence that shows we have a purpose in life. Look at the toxins. In the water you drink, in the food that you eat, it's a lot of toxins. A lot of chemicals there. E14, E15, E57. It's like when you look into the packet of something, it's like there's a lot of E's there. What are these E's? Have you ever looked at them? They're adjectives. But what are those? What is the effect? Monosodium glutamate. You know what monosodium glutamate is? MSG. You go to a Chinese restaurant, oh, they taste good. MSG. Why? It provides flavor on the taste. Okay? Now, it causes one of the, one of the side effects of, uh, of monosodium glutamate is boldness. Okay? That's what we see. But what we don't see is the effect on the brain. Toxins, genes interactions during development causes what we have over there as a redox dysregulation. What does redox dysregulation mean? Now, again, your, your body is designed to react into uh, to react to any bad uh, toxins, anything harmful. Okay? So there is a redox system to bring it into balance. We call them antioxidants. Okay? One of the major antioxidants in the living tissue is called glutathione. It's a tripeptide. Okay? And it, this is the, the, the main defense mechanism of your cell. Okay? In all psychi psychiatric illness, you will find that glutathione is deficit. Okay? So the idea would be, the solution would be saying, well, why not boost glutathione? That's the, the opposite of it. Since it's, def it's deficient, let's boost it. Okay? Just leave that thought to you, and we'll, we'll continue. Now, redox dysregulation, low glutathione, leads to what we say ROS, reactive oxygen species. And this is basically bad. He's the bad guy. He's the bad dude. He will kill. Okay? He's the massacre in your brain. He's the assassin. So without the police to maintain the bad guy, you have massacre. Okay? So this ROS leads, increases, and what we say, NMDA receptor, this is involving hallucinations. I will not even go in there. Then it brings down, all these red dots means deficit, okay? It brings down the fast-spiking GABAergic interneurons. This is the cell that I was speaking to you about, the interneurons. But why is this cell so important? Because they are involved in what we call gamma oscillatory activity in the brain, which is involved in decision-making, okay? Higher cognitive function, decision. Oh, am I going to go... To the pastor's sermon tonight. Decision making. Simple decision. And your interneurons is involved in making decisions. Now they are deficit. 
They are impaired. So, you have an impaired structural connectivity. The arborization, in the end, is damaged. The connections are wrong. There is no protection around it. Eventually, you have a psychotic symptom and cognitive deficit. Mental health gone wrong. Okay? Now, just to simplify this, there are other processes taking place in the brain during this time. Okay? And so what happens is during this thing, there's a, there's a, a, a defense mechanism called inflammation. But the problem with this inflammation is it activates so many other pathways. Uh, uh, as you can see, this is very simple already. Okay? And yet you, you, you see this, these diagrams and all these arrows. And what they should be is have no arrows. Okay? But you see up, down, up and down as only because the genes interacting with the environment gone wrong. Then you have the result. You see now how important it is? Now, if this, this, this process takes place in adulthood, you don't have the same effect. What I mean by that is that if you have infections in the brain taking place when you are 25 or 26, your brain is already fixed. It has the greens. These cells have already provided with all this green thing to protect it from harmful condition. It's not susceptible or vulnerable anymore. But at the same time, it's hard for you to learn. It's hard for you to teach. You know, it's like, I know I must do it, but I don't want to do it. But when you're young, it says, yes, I want to do it. I will do it. But you get old, oh, I just can't be bothered. I, I see it in myself already. I can't be bothered to learn other languages. I'm sorry, Terry. <laughs> I live in Switzerland for the past, I won't even say it. And my language skills in Swiss German is very basic. French, even more basic. Language is just not my gift, but I use it as an excuse. But it's much more effort for me to learn it. You see? I'm also going to share with you something that you may, I was, I spent my late teenage years from 12 until 21, 22 in England. And when you hear me, you don't hear the English accent when you listen to me. You know why? Okay, I'll tell you why. Confession time. I was not a Christian. And so when I was in higher learning, higher learning, I say higher learning, with, a, with that, I was also learning other things I shouldn't learn. And it's called the right arm maneuver. And I wasn't maneuvering water. I was maneuvering toxins, alcohol. And so at university, drunk so much. Killed a lot of my cells. To a point that if I tell you that during that time, I used to stutter a lot. You wouldn't believe me. You know what I mean by stutter a lot? It's like, my, 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 my name is Yaya Yaya and Harry I used to stutter a lot. Stutter. Okay? But today, 
it's almost gone. It's still there. Almost gone. And I attribute, I will tell you later on what I, I think, how the Lord delivered me from that is through His Word. Because it's the only thing that I added in my life. I took away one, added one. I did a right, a right finger maneuver instead of the right arm maneuver. Now, going back. Now, just, we're just going to go quickly. I'm sorry. City living and urban upbringing affect neural social stress processing. Hmm. Interesting. What does that mean? Ellen White already said country living. Okay? Now, this data shows it's by Lederbogen, published in Nature. You know what Nature is? It's like Time Magazine for Scientists. You get one publication in Nature and they say, Woof, you've achieved already thing of your life, the apex of your life. Okay? And to, but in order for you to publish there, there's a lot of refutable. All the scientists from the world will discuss your work. and say, nope, I don't agree with this. And then you have to redo it. It's tough to get published in nature. What does it say? City living and urban upbringing affects neural social stress processing, which means children that are brought up in the city living and urban living have a higher risk of what? Psych. Social stress. You dig the paper, get it out, and read it for yourself. And you will see that this group of people studied with, uh, with well, advanced technology looking at certain brain regions that are activated in people that have been brought up in urban and city and those that have been brought up in the country. Of course, the city that was chosen here has a certain population and certain degree of criteria. But again, as I, st as I told you, the spirit of prophecy simplifies this. Okay. Now, it's again a publication that, that uh, we published in our uh, group this year in biological psychiatry. And it says, early life insult impairs these interneurons via oxystress and reversal by NAC. Which means... The early insult that this cell suffers, okay, this cell suffers at the early age because of stress, because of something harmful, can be reversed by an acetylcysteine. Now, what is an acetylcysteine? It's an antioxidant. It's antioxidant properties. What is, what, what, what is antioxidant? Okay, I'll give you an example. Food that is rich in, in antioxidants helps your, your brain to be susceptible to what? Damage. So it can be done. Again, healthy diet. There are many things. Fruits. Onions. They don't smell good, but they're good for you. I mean, but you see, the things you have to be careful because there are, there are a certain group of people who would then like, ha, ah, I better buy glutathione tablet. I better buy an acetyl. An acetyl cysteine is something we have used because it's, it's very easy. It has no side effect. It's over the counter. You don't need prescription. And people use it when they have flu. So there's no 
pharmaceutical interest in this. It's just to simply show that antioxidant can do it. Well, we could abuse fruits too, but mice will not eat banana, will not eat garlic or onions. So you have to use something that is synthetic. And then, but in the end, bring that into a human study, yours and I, and lifestyle. That's what we're going to be talking about, how to maintain it. Okay, just a few conclusions and a few examples. Whatever it says here. Conclusion, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think of these things. Why? Because we know that such keeps your antioxidant level high. Interesting. Why? There's no oxidative stress taking place in your brain. Why? You are at peace. You are in harmony. The Bible tells us that if we stick to the plan, we will have good mental health, stable emotions. Emotion is the product of a a good mental health. Again, if we think of these things, we will become what we think. I just want to, f- to, to read this one. God has given every human being a brain. All right? Praise God. God has given you a brain, which means you need to use your brain. Don't let somebody else use your brain for you. Okay? Obama, uh, I don't want to politicize this anyway. But he says, I just couldn't help it, sorry. He says this. I like the person, but I just don't like what he said. He said, since they don't have the capacity to choose, we will choose for you. That's what he says. I'm quoting what he said. All right? Might be a good man, but just that that statement tells you that he wants your mind. He wants to govern your emotions. Look what it says. God has given every human being a brain. He desires that it be used to His glory. We are to educate and train every power of mind and body, the human mechanism that Christ has brought, in order that we may put it into the best possible use. Okay? Notice what our higher calling says. Children and youth already have in minds and hearts corrupted seed, ready to spring up and bear its perverting harvest. And the greatest care and watchfulness are needed in cultivating and storing the mind with precious seeds of Bible truths. It is only the Word of God because He's the one who created us that is anecdote to all this process that are taking place that are harmful to our brain. Amen? That's how beautiful our God is. He's given us the spirit of prophecy that describes in simple layman terms what we as scientists are just beginning to find today. And there are more of her writings around there. And I wish I could follow what she writes and just put them in the lab and, and prove them. But I don't need to prove them all when I see that these things, I can look at her writing and say, I trust in the divine word that God has given this woman. It is for my good, it's for my salvation, It's to what? Help me make the right moral choices 
and spiritual choices I need to live daily in a harmonious society. If people see that we have a brain that is ideal, good, health-minded, stable emotion, people will think that you're crazy because you're not normal anymore to them. But they wonder, there's something about you. I can't explain it, but there's something about you. They may call you crazy, but at the end of the day, they knock at your door when they have a problem. Why? Because you have consistency. You are trustworthy. Why? The Bible says, you have thought of what is honest, pure, just, worthy of thoughts. With our heads bowed and eyes closed. Today or this afternoon, you have learned some of the fundamentals of how to have a good mental health and stable emotion. And if it's your desire to attain this, maybe you say, well, it's too late for me, but I can tell you as we go through this process tomorrow and the day after, that with God, there is nothing that is too late. If He can do something great with my life and for my brain, He can do something for you. If that is the desire of your heart and that's your prayer today, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I invite you just to kneel where you are as we close this in prayer. To help you, guide you, if you're planning to have children, maybe when I say that, those who are parents or planning to be parents, uh, they should come to this workshop. But it's not just for that. It's for everyone. And it's your desire to say, Lord, please give me a healthy mind. Give me a stable emotional intelligence. And help me to maintain and live a consistent life in you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you once again for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, it's a complex topic, but I have done all I could within my power, within the intelligence you have given me to communicate them as simplest as possible that even a child or a young person here would understand the principle. I thank you, dear Lord, that they have understood it and they're kneeling down before you. Not, dear Lord, also because they have absorbed the information, but they want to practice what they have learned. For we are a generation, dear Lord, that prides on information but lack practical application. Help us to be a generation of practical applicants. Apply it in our life by your grace and that alone. In our, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.